This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AC's Comic Book Men. My favorite podcast. Even better than my own. Even better than all of Kevin's. Even better than that Mark Marin guy or that Joe Rogan or the Nerdist. Screw all of them. It's all about Cosmic Potato, everybody. Listen. Love it. And then listen again. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and sitting across the virtual table from me is my friend and mentor, Obi-John Kenobi. How are you, sir? I'm well. (laughs) And how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. And special guest on the mic tonight, Mr. Scott Madison. How are you? I have done no research whatsoever. (laughs) <laughs> i did i that actually is, i actually watched is. i actually watched two movies for for this show so uh so i did more research than i usually do i usually just make a list but i actually, i actually watched two movies movies that i've seen before but you know but b- before we move in our main topic tonight we're going to talk about our favorite mad scientists in film and uh we're going to do that in just a minute but first i wanted to uh mention a movie that i got to see this weekend it was a documentary on Hulu. Do you guys remember the Danny Carvey show? Yes. From I, re- I remember that it happened. Yeah. So this documentary is called Too Funny to Fail, The Life and Death of the Dana Carvey Show. And it is all about how the Dana Carvey Show happened and why it failed. And it is, I mean, it's hilarious because it's got, Dana Carvey, it's got Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Robert Smigel, Louis C.K., and uh, it's just, I mean, it's mostly, it's in documentary form, so they're interviewing these guys, and they're showing a lot of clips from the show, they're showing a lot of clips from Saturday Night Live, how they got started, and all this kind of stuff, but the Dana Carvey show was this perfect storm, and they thought that it was going to be this this great thing because Dana Carvey at that time was on the upper echelon of comedians. You know, he, he had, he had reigned supreme over Saturday Night Live for so long that they thought that there's no way this could fail. And the very first skit that they did was Dana Carvey dressed as Bill Clinton, nursing babies and puppies with six teats (laughs) in his chest, you know? Wow. So it, it, it took a big hit in that first episode and it never really recovered. I think they, they only made eight episodes and only seven of them actually aired. And another thing that they did that really hurt was, uh, they were trying to be funny. They were trying to do like the old, uh, 
variety shows that had a different sponsor every week and this was supposed to have a different sponsor every single week so and it threw people off because one week it's called the taco bell dana carvey show and then the next the next week it's called the mug root beer dana carvey show <laughs> you know so that kind of stuff didn't work in the in the 90s the way, the way that it did in the 50s and 60s but i reckon i recommend this uh documentary it's called uh two uh too funny to fail the life and death of the dana carvey show and it's on hulu so can you explain to me why Bill Clinton had six teats? <laughs> it, he was supposed to the whole skit. If I, I mean, they, they showed a couple of little clips from it on, the, but they didn't show the entire skit. So he was trying to explain to the nation. He was giving a speech from the Oval Office. He's trying to explain to the nation that he's trying to nurture them through this uh, troubling time in our nation's history, and that he is like their mother. Or something, and he starts to unbutton his shirt, and he's got, <laughs> he's got breasts, and he starts to nurse, and he has a baby doll, and he's nursing the baby. Well, then he unbuttons his shirt a little more, and he's got six teats, and they bring in puppies, and they start nursing him. So, and it was just really strange. Some of the skits that they did are uh, were were not as strange, but really funny. There, there was a skit that uh, Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell did together, where they played two waiters. It's a basic. It's a basic Saturday Night Live where they just give you a setup and you and they just do the skit. You know, uh, they play two waiters who are nauseated when they talk about food. That, I think I've seen that. Skit. Yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, they're they're standing there trying to explain to a customer the dishes of the day and they can't get through it because they're about to throw up talking about <laughs> talking about the food. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's like a it's like a ninety minute documentary and it's it's is very much worth the 90 minutes i i advise going to see that but uh okay so i did some actual homework for this show like i said usually i just talk about movies that i've seen in the past but there was a couple that i've seen before but i haven't seen in so long that i did, i wanted to watch them again before i talked about them that are on my list so we're going to talk about our favorite mad scientists in movies and uh you know there's a lot of movies that involve some crazy guys having a failed attempt at some kind of scientific breakthrough or whatever. We have one rule. John, what's our one rule? Uh-huh. It's your, it's, <laughs> it's your rule. It was your rule. My, my rule for what? For this show? For this show. Yeah. You said, um, Oh, right. Can't doc Brown. Yeah. Nobody talks about doc Brown because it's too easy. It's, it's just a given. Oops. Yes, we know. That's yeah. yeah. Well, he was a stereo. He's stereotypical because that whole movie was trying to play <clears throat> off of old tropes from sci-fi, and he was a stereotype of a mad scientist, so it doesn't count. But um, I'll let one of you guys start. And I mean, this is going to be one of our abbreviated shows, so I don't know that we'll get to a whole list of five. We may only do three each or something like that, but we'll we'll just see how it goes. John, you want to start? Uh, sure. I'll start with... Um... Walter Bishop from Fringe, because he's almost he's like an ex mad scientist. Yeah, uh, he's kind of adorable now because he lobotomized himself to stop being evil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just that's 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 such a great idea. I'm like, why wouldn't more mad scientists do that? The, like the uh, uh, cerebral um, vasectomy, as it were. Um, but yeah, like he comes, he's, I mean, he's 
he's he's he's lovable, and he he's he's got all the the classic mad scientist. Um, so so for me, like my definition of a mad scientist is um, someone who is so enamored with the idea of science or invention or discovery or this thing that they're pursuing that they really don't think about the consequences of their actions um, until it's too late, if ever. Um, and that was like, that was like his day job. Like, like he was literally <laughs> employed <laughs> to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was a great show overall, but yeah, if, if we're, um, Walter Bishop goes in the, in the in the Mad Scientist Hall of Fame, and you actually, in later seasons, as they travel to alternate dimensions, you get to see the, the um, um, the uncut version of of Walter, and it's it's uh yeah it's it's uh, it's bad. I have a confession. I've never, I've if never, you tell me, I've never oh, seen Fringe. I know what Lord it is. John. I know what it is, but I've never I've never watched it. You would actually really love that show. Yeah. And it's one of those that I've been meaning to go back and it, is it on Netflix yet? Uh, it was on Netflix. I think it's off of Netflix. It was on Hulu. I think it's off of Hulu. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's on Amazon, but I don't know if it's on um, like a you know quote unquote free like subscribing service. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's on. I'm sure it's syndicated somewhere. All right. It comes on Fox, right? So I think uh, I think Fox uh, Fox has a service called Fox Now or something like that. They may have, they yeah, may have it on there. FX Now. Okay. All right, Scott. You you have one to start out. Um, yeah, I think so. It's a it's a fairly hastily prepared list, and by hastily prepared, I mean I'm writing the last name on the list right now. <laughs> um, but Who's I got some. Worse? Um, so I, number five on my list, uh, and some of these, yes, I will admit were called from a list of fictional mad scientists that I found online, but it, it does, I think more or less qualify. Um, and it's one that I suspect a lot of people that listen to the show are probably not familiar with, uh, because it's from a comic book and this comic is, uh, not the most well-known uh, that I've ever seen. But uh, it's a comic series. I don't think it runs anymore. Um, written by Warren Ellis, uh, who is uh, my favorite uh, comic book writer. And uh, the name of the comic is the same as the as the character that I'm speaking of, uh, named Dr. Sleepless. And it's been a while since I read the series so some of my recollections are a little bit uh are a little bit off but uh the premise of this character is by using science he has advanced himself to the point where one uh he no longer needs to sleep two i believe he is functionally uh immortal in that he can just continue living forever and ever and he decides because This is what he wants to do. He introduces to the world uh, advanced consumer technology that will absolutely change the face of society globally. 
just because you, you know what? I feel like doing this because <laughs> he's insane. Um, I won't go into too many details of the book because the the further I go into it, the more that I will get wrong. But uh, this book. Rather like most of Warren Ellis stuff, but this one more so than the average is kind of a mind bending book. Uh, Warren Ellis has a talent for, uh, you know, keeping abreast of uh, current day research and scientific advancements and, you know, what's happening on the on the bleeding edge of, of technology and science. And from that, he will come up with ideas and then explode them out to you know, a, a ridiculous extreme and then put them into uh, his comics or his novels or whatever he happens to be working on. So the stuff of his that you read, it's definitely far out, but you can trace the core elements of the story back to something that is new and exciting in the here and now. And the technology that is introduced by this mad scientist in Dr. Sleepless um, is like scary advanced versions of stuff that you might see today. Imagine if we went to, uh, let's say, the 1300s and somehow managed to bring the Internet with us and a <laughs> fully functioning Wi-Fi network and give everyone a smartphone. Yeah. That's the type of technological injection that, that he's giving to the world in Dr. Sleepless. Uh, absolutely an insane idea for anyone to try to do. And this character launch himself into it with both feet is a lot of fun to read. Okay. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, my first one is Herbert West from Reanimator uh, from 1985. Um, now this was this was based on a series of short stories by H.P. Lovecraft called Herbert West Reanimator, and uh, he was in the movie he was played by Jeffrey Combs. Now we we know Jeffrey Combs from Star Trek because he played lots and lots of characters on Star Trek. You know he played everybody. Yeah, he played Wei Yun on Deep Space Nine. He played. Uh, uh, Shran in uh, Enterprise. He played Brunt. Uh, but anyway, uh, in this movie, he's your classic mad scientist. He's he's very much a Dr. Frankenstein type character. He invented a serum that you can inject into a recently de- deceased person and reanimate them. And of course, he wants to bring them back to life, but what he's actually doing is creating zombies. <laughs> you know, So this... It's a classic 80s horror movie. It's got blood and gore, and and it's funny at the same time. You know, it's got everything. Uh, it's one of those movies that's kind of like, it, it's so bad that it's good. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's surprisingly entertaining, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I was not expecting much. And purposely, purposely bad. I think it was purposely made to be a so bad it's good type movie. Um but like I said, what really makes it good in my book is Jeffrey Combs' performance. You know, he he takes a character that could have been a throwaway character, and really makes you believe that this guy is an arrogant idiot that thinks that his experiments are more important than anyone's ethical or moral code. So uh, it's a, it, I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's a cult classic, and 
They made two others. I, I know that he was in the second one. I don't know if he was in the third one. It's been so long since I saw those two movies that I can't really say anything about them. But, uh, but yeah, the first one, Herbert West from Reanimator is definitely on my list of uh, mad scientists. Okay, John. Um, I am referring to the um, Gene Wilder, um, classic mad scientist, <laughs> known and beloved for generations, Willy Wonka. <laughs> I thought you were going to say... Uh, I know done. you did. I got you. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say that we introduced my stepson to young Frankenstein like a week ago, but you got me. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 I figured that, uh, someone else will, uh, will Mr. Mr. Frankenstein. So I will go the Wonka route. Um, again, all the, all the, uh, classic traits of a mad scientist. It just so happens that his, his, uh, scientific fascination is uh, confectionery. So he is beloved by the world, but, um, you know, they, he he is he's locked in that in that factory, <laughs> in part to keep his secrets from those who would spy. But also, really, I think he is self aware enough to know that um, he really shouldn't be let loose on society. <laughs> yeah. um, he he he's created this this fantastical world where impossible things happen, and you know, like no one's stepped foot in the factory for years. And he, you know, one day he holds a big contest, worldwide contest, and he lets five children in, and he mutates four of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, things don't end well for those children. <laughs> no. no, like I mean, okay, I got to sign a waiver, that makes sense, but you really could have tried harder to keep me out of the machine. Like <laughs> that uh, movie, yeah, that movie really gave me the creeps when I watched it as a kid. Yeah, it was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But yes, it also it, it also gave me the creeps. Um, but yeah, and, and I I'm, I remain convinced that that role is is the kernel in the heart of Doctor Frankenstein's performance. Yeah, I can see that. All right, Scott. Uh, next up on my list, um, and again, I I'm not sure how you guys handle um, uh, like duplicates of people having. Um, the same entry on on their lists, so I kind of expect this guy to come up uh, on someone else's list. But um, my number four would be uh, Professor Hubert Farnsworth. Yeah, he's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I put him in like as, a, as an honorable mention. But yeah, take it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean usually if 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 we duplicate, then whatever we were going to say about it when we when it came to us, we'll just say it now. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, I. One of uh, he's either the most or he's tied for the most lovable mad scientist on my list. Um, he's yes, he can be mean and acerbic, but most of the time he's just so innocent and so excited about science. Um, uh, especially one of his uh, most technologically advanced and uh, um, you know. Perception expanding inventions, that being, of course, the thing longer, which is my favorite. <laughs> I think it's that could be my favorite Professor Farnsworth invention. <laughs> Just a glove with an extra long finger on it so you can reach something across the room. <laughs> not not to grab it, but just to tap it. I love that invention. I want one. 
I might, you know, let, let I'm people gonna... know what he what he's from. What, what's he from? Okay, for people who who might not be aware, this is um, the uh, the professor and owner of the Planet Express delivery service on Futurama. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, voiced <clears throat> by Billy West, who does like half of the voices on that show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he he's one of the police officers. He's Fry. He is. Uh, Zoidberg, he is Zap Brannigan, <clears throat> and on and on. Uh, he he does many voices, but uh, uh, I think I I might like Farnsworth the best of all the voices he does, uh, if, if only because you can never get enough of uh, good news, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, there was a uh, there was a a thing that came out a while back where they took a lot of cartoon characters and they made like a realistic version of what they would look like if they were real people and, and, uh-huh. he, and he was one of them and he looked creepy <laughs> he's just just creepy because they put like the realistic skin tone on him and realistic hair and all that kind of stuff is yeah it's it was it was frightening <laughs> I've, I've seen some artists do that online i saw someone i can't remember the name of the painter i wish i did uh he did a series of <clears throat> uh nearly photorealistic uh uh, artistic renditions of the Ninja Turtles and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, most of their villain characters, and those those were a lot of fun. Yeah, I think one of the reasons that uh, Farnsworth is is so great is because, like you said, he's lovable. He's and he's so excited. It's it's because he's way senile, and so it's like <laughs> it's like he it's like he he rediscovers like every day he wakes up, it, it, like everything literally is new to him. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> We're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hwai Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes, stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everyone, I'm Christopher DeFilippis. My name is Skipper Martin. And you might know us as the hosts of 112263, an event podcast. But Skipper and I are here to announce our new podcast, which will be all about the new Hulu series, Castle Rock. Not only are we going to be covering the TV show, but we're going to be covering the Stephen King books and characters that seem to be somehow tied into the TV show. Not to mention TV movies and other theatrical movies, even the bad ones. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it, right, Chris? Yep, we're going to do it all. So Watch this space, subscribe, 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 and we will be dropping our first episode in no time. It's about a certain murderous clown. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Follow the Castle Rock TV podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CRTV Pod. Visit our website at CRTVpodcast.com and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CRTVpod. The Castle Rock TV podcast is a fractured entertainment to Flipside Media production.
Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. She turned her tender eyes to me as deep as any ocean, as sweet as any harmony. Oh, she blinded me with science. She blinded me with science. Blinded me with science. And failed me in biology. When I'm dancing... All right, well, my next one is Dr. Bill Cortner from a 1962 film that you guys... Well, John, I know you've heard about it because I said something about about it last night to you, but uh, it's called The Brain That Wouldn't Die. And uh, to put this in context, when I was a teenager, one of my favorite things to do was to sit up late on on Saturday night, when, when I say teenager, I, I'm talking like 14, so I'm not old enough to be out all night on Saturday night. Um, so I lived in the country. I didn't live in the city <laughs> where you could just like go outside and there's things to do. You actually had to go places if you wanted to do anything. But um, so I would stay up late on Saturday night and I'd watch TMC because they showed old uh, sci-fi and horror movies. On Saturday night, on Saturday night, uh, I can't talk right now. I've been up for a while. <laughs> uh, that's when I saw Dracula, I saw King Kong, Frankenstein, The Incredible Shrinking Man, stuff like that. And around Halloween, they'd really crank it up and show some really obscure stuff that you wouldn't see otherwise, unless you like went to the video store and dug all the way to the bottom of the dollar bin. Uh, and I remembered one that I watched one night that I I thought was cool at the time. It's not, that, it's not that cool. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, Bill Cortner was played by Jason Evers, and uh, he's still alive. He's like 85 years old now. And it's kind of the same setup as the re- as Reanimator, because he can bring recently dead people back to life. But instead of a serum, he like puts electrodes on their brain. He like cuts the top of their scalp off and touches their brain with electrodes, and it brings their brain back to life. So he gets into a car wreck with his girlfriend, and she gets her head cut off. And he reanimates her head, and then spends the rest of the movie trying to find the perfect woman to steal her body to give to his girlfriend. (laughs) You know, and uh, it's it's not a it's not a good movie, but it's a famous one that I think is is worth watching if you're into old uh, B movies. Uh, I did not rewatch the plain version. I actually last night I found the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 version on YouTube, so I watched that. <laughs> Makes it a a little more uh, bearable, but their, their their commentary was great. But yeah, it's it's called The Brain That Wouldn't Die. It came out in 1962. So uh, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, John. All right. Um, how many more are we doing? Uh, we've, we've got about 20 minutes. We'll go ahead and do two or three more. 
um, each? Uh, let's do two more each, and then we'll see where we All are. Right. <clears throat> All right. Well, I will do... Um, all right, I actually, I've been hearing about this character and this show for a while before I actually saw it. Um, and I uh, saw the first episode, was not impressed, and didn't watch the rest of it for months. Um, but new season came out recently, and so I decided to, to binge Rick and Morty. And I am so glad that I did. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't judge Rick and Morty on that on that first episode because yeah, it's it's it not changed, good. Yeah, it changed so much after that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is all right. So, um, if you are unfamiliar, uh, Rick Sanchez is the smartest person in the universe, and he's kind of a degenerate. I'd only say kind of. He's a complete degenerate. But he's only kind of a degenerate because he's almost beyond good and evil. <laughs> like it almost like it doesn't apply to him. He's like Doctor Who. Like it's it's so one of his many, many, many inventions is a portal gun, which allows him to travel between um alternate universes. Where he often encounters duplicates of himself and his family and the earth and you know, aliens, blah 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 blah. Um, so this show works because it commits to every aspect of what it's trying to do. Um, it, it like the action scenes are like really good action scenes and the sci-fi babble is, it's good enough. It's good enough. And the jokes are really funny. The thing that I don't like about this show is, um, I feel like they commit to the improv stuff way too much. And there's a lot of things that could be cut or should be cut. But I appreciate that that is in the mix for this show. Like, they're consistent with it. So I can't, like, I'm, I'm not going to judge it. Well, I will judge it as bad, but I respect that it's there. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I might not, I might not be a fan of square noses and eyes on the side of your head, but I respect that cubism is a thing. And if you're consistent with it and it follows your philosophy, then go for it. And that's 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 kind of how I feel about uh, Rick and Morty. So yeah, he he can basically invent anything, at, but he's so flawed that he's not. Um, I don't know. It's 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 just a really wonderfully woven together character, and he's like like. They, they write in this fragility where he really can't see the big picture and he really does. It's, it's not that he doesn't understand the consequences like other mad scientists. He completely understands the consequences, but he also knows like empirically that everything is futile and it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the consequences are nil. Uh, but it also still like gets to him. It's, it's, it's Yeah. So while I, I can't say I admire him as a person, I, I love him as a character. Yeah, I think one thing I like about that show is that um, his plan does not always work out. You know, it's not one of those shows that everything works out in the end because sometimes he destroys the world. And when, yeah. he, does, when he does, he just goes to another world and starts over. <laughs> 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 and, just, and just lets the world burn. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you kind of question... 
if the uh, Scott, have you ever seen Rick and Morty? I actually have not. Okay, it is another one of the shows that you know. Eventually, I probably should, but I wonder if it's talked up so much by so many different aspects of the pop culture that I take in. Like so many of the podcasts that I listen to have such glowing things to say about it. I don't know if it's ever going to live up, so why take the chance? That that is how I felt, and <clears throat> it. I'm not going to say that it's perfect, but um, as I as I uh, as I think I told Rick maybe like a month ago, the things that it does well, it does so well. The things that it does bad are easily forgivable. Yeah, like you're not going to like the things that it does badly, but and and that's just for me. Like if you if you like. I feel like they insert a lot of potty humor where they really don't need to, but they know that they don't need to, which means they really just want to, which almost makes it better. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're relying on it. They just really, really appreciate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> saying things like poopy pants. Like yeah. it's just, it, for whatever reason, it's it's hilarious to them. Yeah. And the premise, the premise is that Rick is, uh, the, like he said, he's the smartest man in the universe. He's a mad scientist and his grandson goes along with him on these adventures. And you kind of question, uh, which version of his grandson he has with him because you kind of you kind of wonder if his grandson has died a thousand times and he's just picking up new versions of him to replace yeah. him or whatever but, it's it's really very it's really smartly done like i, I would say skip i should so come up with a with a with maybe we'll post this when we um post this um post this podcast like the the rick and morty watch list if you if you if you want to get into it Skip this one, skip this one, skip this one. Watch these three, and then tell me what you think. I think season two was its best. I, I, I mean, season three is funny, but I think that season two was – they were really in their stride at that point. But, yeah. And it seems like it's been around a lot longer than it has been because people talk about it so much. Well, and because it takes them forever to come out with the season, apparently. Yeah, yeah that's true, too. But Okay, Scott, what was your next one? Uh, next up on my list would be the uh, the legendary Marvel Comics villain, Doctor Doom. Nice. Yeah. Definitely a scientist and definitely super mad. Not just mad crazy, but also mad angry. <laughs> because, man, can that fella hold on to a grudge. Still, after all this time, going at Richards. Yeah. <laughs> but n- not only one of the leading uh, scientific minds in the Marvel Universe, uh, but in his pursuit of more knowledge and more power, and also looking for a way to, uh, if I remember correctly, rescue his mother from hell. Uh, after he had mastered pretty much all of science he decided to learn and master uh, as much of sorcery as could be yeah so not only is he a mad scientist but he's a mad sorcerer at the same time yeah which i think when when you're watching like the new fantastic four films he's just going to be a, a not very compelling movie supervillain that has some sciencey powers yeah. and it doesn't do justice to the source material which is this guy just through sheer force of will learned 
everything that a person can learn about science and then went on and learned a whole bunch of sorcery as well. And with both of those disciplines in his pocket, he runs his own country. And while (laughs) most people think of him as an evil dictator, you know, most people both in the Marvel universe and we as the readers have to appreciate the fact that, you know, that country does run. He's actually like, he really does care about his people. Like he rules with an iron fist, but he is like, he is a, uh, he does care about his people. He is a good quote unquote, good leader. Yeah. He, he's not just a stereotypical madman on the throne, but he clearly knows how to run a country. And he's been doing it successfully for quite some time. Yeah. Okay. So he's impressive. Yeah. Well, staying in uh, Marvel, my next one is going to be Otto Octavius from Spider-Man 2 <laughs> from 2004. Because this is, in my opinion, this is the best of the original three Spider-Man movies. And uh, I really like Doc Ock. He's not because he's not just a villain. They could have just made him a bad guy, but they didn't. They made him a good guy. He was a very likable guy when Peter first met him. You know, he was kind of a mentor to him. And then his experiment killed his wife, and it drove him crazy. But in the end, uh, spoiler <laughs> for a uh, over a decade old movie, uh, he ended up sacrificing himself in the end to uh to stop the tentacles from continuing their path of destruction and all that. So uh so yeah, I uh I pick uh Dr. Octopus as uh, as my third pick. Or is my, my yeah, it's my third pick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. The, John? That, that's a good pick. I like that. I, I like that you specified the Spider Man two film version. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, because just, I'm not. I mean, the listeners to this show are going to know that I, I I'm not very well versed in Marvel comics because when I was growing up, I was reading. I read Superman and Batman, so uh, I didn't read X Men and, and and Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. So the most of my knowledge of Marvel heroes comes from the the Sony movies and the Fox movies and the MCU. So, so you mean you mean you didn't read the. Um, the comic story arc from a couple years ago where Dr. Octopus uh, removed Peter Parker's consciousness from his body and replaced it with his own and became (laughs) Peter Parker and Spider-Man for like at least a year, if not more. I did not read that. Yeah, that was, that was the thing as as Peter Parker, Otto Octavius uh, uh, built and created and built up, a very successful tech company in Peter Parker's name and also ended up being a fairly effective Spider-Man. Well, where was Peter during all this? Um, in a jar somewhere? <laughs> I think, you see, I'll be honest. I didn't read the story arc either. I just tried to keep up to date through, you know, various uh, podcasts and, and reading articles online. Yeah. Uh, but I think, that Peter's consciousness was still in his body, but suppressed. Okay. Like the barrier right there. Okay. Which, which is how eventually he was able to start, you know, pushing through and influencing, uh, Dr. Octopus's thoughts. Like, whereas, yeah. Whereas Otto would have wanted to either, you know, kill or savagely beat his, uh, 
his opponents when he's out fighting crime as Spider-Man. Peter was able to uh, give him a a mental nudge to maybe not kill this guy. Yeah, okay. Which is how Otto realizes, wait a minute, that's not me. Parker must still be in there. I got to fix this. (laughs) And then, you know, the story proceeds from there. Uh, It seemed to be a very popular story when it was running, and I keep meaning to go back one of these days and read it, but yeah, that's not going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> there's, there, there's there's no time for that comiXology yeah. man comiXology you can go back and read all that stuff and it's not very expensive but okay John well, I think we got all time right. for one more go ahead uh, then let's do well I'll do one more official and then I'll do a bunch of honorable mentions okay. um, uh, let's let's do uh, Dr. Horrible oh from, yeah uh, Dr. Horrible's sing along blog um, Dr. Harville is uh, played by Neil Patrick Harris. Um, he is a he's a he's a straight up mad scientist uh, because he does want to rule the world, but he doesn't think he's a bad guy. Like he 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 has a he has a moral code, um, which spoiler he kind of accidentally breaks by the end of the <laughs> of his little journey. But you know uh, he didn't mean to. But he does reap the benefits. Um, so I love this show, and it's it's um, I mean it's available like on video. It's it's like free on YouTube. It's uh, yeah. It it was uh, it premiered on the internet. And I think it like was the first internet thing to like win like a regular TV award. I'm probably getting that wrong, but um, so I, I love it because it's it's got star power in terms of acting um it's got star power in terms of the writing and directing uh joss whedon um and i, I and the actors are the, the main actors are neil patrick harris and um felicia day and nathan fillion as uh, a <laughs> captain hammer his arch nemesis um who is the good guy who's you don't necessarily root for um so it, it's got like all this you know this big talent behind it, but it it's shot like uh like an indie film from like you know college roommates. He's like, hey, let's make a let's make a superhero movie. So it is it is um, unerringly charming, even as it is um, somewhat heartbreaking. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, and and like you can watch the, it's it's basically I think it's three. Like uh, what? Fifteen minute, fifteen twenty minute. Yeah, it's less than an hour for the whole. Yeah, it's, it's like three fifteen minute little parts. It's in three. It's in three parts. And uh, and and I highly recommend if you like getting the DVD or at least looking up on YouTube because um, the the whole thing is his his he is trying to get into the evil league of evil, which is like it's <laughs> it's basically like your supervillain union card, and. Um, on the DVD, like the DVD extras are like just fans, just other people submitting their um, application videos to try to get into the Evil League of Evil, <laughs> and uh, they're fantastic. Um, and also, the it is a sing-along blog, so that it, it is in fact a musical, and the songs are quite catchy. Yeah, Joss Whedon loves his musical episodes, and <laughs> that is yeah. for sure. Which is why and th- this, that uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog 
is the reason that I had such high hopes for the Flash Supergirl uh, crossover musical episode, and it failed to deliver on that. I mean, it was. What did Joss Whedon? Yeah, Joss Whedon. That? Joss Whedon was behind that because Joss Whedon had, isn't his brother uh, really big into Broadway? Like he writes Broadway musicals and stuff like that because they usually team up uh, when they do stuff like this. Because he, I think his brother wrote okay. all the music for the the Buffy episode that they did. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think for for the Buffy episode and for Doctor Horrible, they 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 uh, they wrote the songs together. Like, yeah, actually, you're right. Is it Jed? Is that his name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But, okay. Okay, Scott. Um, well, all right. Uh, skipping over what will now be my honorable mention, I'll go to my um, my number one, and. I'll point out the fact that this character is no longer a mad scientist so much. Um, but when he was first introduced, he was very much a traditional mad scientist character. And this was a long, long time ago when he first appeared. Uh, and he remained a mad scientist for quite some time before they decided to do a complete revamp of pretty much everything connected with not only this character, but this franchise. And this character went from being a mad scientist to being a Wall Street tycoon. But before he was a Wall Street uh, tycoon, I he thought, was... Yeah. I was wondering if someone was going to say him. Yeah, He was Lex Luthor, yeah. mad scientist, with a head full of ginger, ginger hair. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I remember. I remember that. Looking back on those early appearances of Lex Luthor, he wasn't exactly anything really special. He was just another mad scientist who happened to have an alliterative name. And he would come up with wacky inventions to try to destroy Superman, and then he would be defeated, and that would be it. And then, I can't remember when it was they introduced this story element, but uh, Luthor... I can't remember the exact details. Either it was a lab accident or it happened during a fight with Superman. But one of his experiments caused a fire that burned off his hair and it never grew back. And I think there are people who have lived under the belief that that's really what made Lex Luthor hate Superman was the fact that he lost his hair because of Superman and now he must destroy him for it I think that's oversimplifying a little bit but it it doesn't change the fact that Luthor is bald because of his uh, uh, adversarial relationship with Superman so we have we have him to thank for one of the more iconic villain looks of all time Uh, uh, so now we know that uh Kingpin, he's not original. He just wanted to be as cool as Luthor. <laughs> yeah. Or I should say as Mr. Luthor. Right. <laughs> yeah, Lex Luthor was was like the his is the character that taught me the definition of the word arch enemy. Mm-hmm. Because like other other superheroes fought bad guys, but there wasn't a at least that I at least for me when I was a kid. Like there, there wasn't a one-to-one eternal nemesis uh, like there was between uh, 
Luthor and, and Superman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, my my last one is going to be uh, Doctor Matthew, Doctor Matthew Frankenstein Logan from uh, Day of the Dead, nineteen eighty five. Uh, this is probably the worst dead movie that remember, (laughs) (laughs) but this part of the story was so interesting because Logan's doing experiments with zombies. He's trying to find out how much of their humanity that they have left. And he's trying to teach, he's trying to teach one of them to speak and things like that. He calls him, he calls him bub. And, uh, as an incentive, he feeds the zombie chunks of the dead army guys that are there on the base. And of course that doesn't go over too well. when The soldiers find out what he's doing. And, uh, but like I said, this was a weak link in the, in the franchise, especially coming right after, uh, Dawn of the dead, because this is the third installment in that franchise. But, uh, that aspect of it was pretty good. And it was a concept that Romero followed up with when he made land of the dead a few years later in the uh in the early 90s but uh but yeah dr logan from day of the dead uh honorable mention for me would be uh totally and Sauron from star trek generations oh, nice and uh malcolm mcdowell he under i think malcolm mcdowell was was underperformed in that movie but i think he did a good job with what he was given but yeah he's definitely one that you can say that he would do whatever it took to to, <laughs> to uh he destroyed yeah. a planet and an entire civilization to get what he wanted, you know. So, and I mean, he and he did do it. It wasn't like, oh, he almost did it and they stopped him. No, he did do it. They had to go back in time to stop him from doing it. Which, by the way, why? If you could go back in time to any point in history, why would you wait until five minutes before he was going to do that thing again? Why didn't you go back? Give yourself an hour. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Get there before he does, so you can stop it from happening. But because these were Star Trek writers that were writing right. this movie, that were writing this movie at the same time that they were writing the feature length series finale. True, <laughs> true. Okay, what are your uh, uh, honorable mentions there, John? Um. All right. Um, Princess Bubblegum from Adventure Time. Okay. <laughs> uh, I won't go into just if if you're unfamiliar with these characters, um, Google them and you'll you'll be happy. Uh, Dexter from Dexter's Lab. <laughs> uh, these two don't necessarily fit uh, the mad scientist uh, regime because they do recognize the consequences of their actions. Uh, Miles Dyson from Terminator Two. Yes. Um, he didn't the first time, but you know, upon recognizing what his creation. Will or what his research rather will bring about, he does try to stop it. And um, Harold Finch from Person of Interest, um, who is the guy who created the supercomputer that is surveilling the world, but it's surveilling the world to help, but it also leads to the AI that is surveilling the world to take over. Um, so yeah, so mad scientists, um, they can change, they can try to do good. <laughs> All right, Scott, you got some honorable mentions? Um, o- only one. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure if this would have really qualified as a as a scientist, but there's a lot of science, and it's been noted on several occasions that he is quite mad, and this would be <laughs> the doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to, I, I'd have I to would agree. say yes. 
And it um, especially depends on which version of the doctor. I mean, some of them are more mad science-y than other scientisty than others. Scientisty mm-hmm. is that scientist? Sciency, I think. Science. I I would it's say mad sciency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and nobody brought up weird science. That's weird. Because <laughs> uh, they weren't really... They weren't they're scientists. not mad. They're weird. Yeah. They yeah, stumbled onto right. something. <laughs> they weren't mad scientists. They were weird scientists. So let, let me... Um, but, um, let, let's, let me do... Because I put it, I posted on um, on Facebook um, that we're going to be talking about this on an, on an upcoming episode and who are some of yours. Um, Rick and uh, Jim Arrowwood both said Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm just going to do the ones that we haven't already mentioned. Um, Doctor Frankenfurter. Also from Rick. Um, <laughs> oh, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. For, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, <clears throat> um, wow, I can't believe I can't remember his name. The is an actual scientist to Tesla, Nikola Tesla, uh, from uh, Mary Druck. Sean said Reanimator. I said Ed from Cowboy Bebop. Rick said uh, Richard Daystrom from uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Alpine said Doctor Two Brains from Word Girl, <laughs> and uh, Doctor Mindbender from GI Joe, and uh, that was that was one of mine. <laughs> and uh, DM Higgins says uh, Ant Man. Who kind of vacillates? Sometimes he's mad. Sometimes he's not. Okay, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, that'll that'll do it. Uh, everybody, you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Subscribe to the show. Uh, you can find us on CosmicPotato.com. But if you subscribe to the show, then you'll get notifications whenever we drop a new episode. Uh, of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can email us at mail at cosmicpotato.com. You can send us a text message or a voicemail at area code 205-642-8380. And uh, you can, uh, John, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And Scott, as always, (laughs) (laughs) pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for letting me stick around. I promise I will do more homework next time. No, you did the right (laughs) amount. Don't don't raise the bar for the rest of us. This is just fine. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and listeners, uh, I, I appreciate you sticking with us during this uh, this time that we're bringing you these abbreviated episodes. We have two episodes of the Simply Syndicated Discovery After Show left for the fall, and uh, we will be getting back into our regular Cosmic Potato schedule after that and bring you episodes through November and into December. And uh, so, like I said, I appreciate you sticking with us during this time. Uh, it's kind of it's a little more hectic doing both shows than I thought it was going to be, but we're, we're, we're trying our best to, to get content out on this feed so that, uh, you have something, uh, to listen to, especially since we're drawing in new listeners through that, uh, simply syndicated feed. They're going to come over and, and listen to this. I definitely want new stuff coming out every week. So, uh, we're going to do something for our year end show. That is uh, something different that we haven't done yet, and we want your help with it. Uh, what we want to do is a commentary for a movie, and that's going to be our last show of the year. We'll probably do it around mid mid December, 
and we don't know what movie we want to do yet. So that's what we want your help with. We want you to help us figure out a movie. It's got to be something that's readily available on DVD because it's going to be hard to stream something and podcast at the same time. It'll mess up our internet. So it's got to be something that's readily available on DVD and it's got to be something that's fairly old. We don't want to do like a Captain America Civil War. We don't want to do something that new. We want to do something old. But good. We don't want to do something old and bad. Yeah, please. Please. <laughs> I was kind of leaning along the lines of one of the classic uh, universal horror movies, like, you know, Dracula or Wolfman or something like that. Or we can do... I mean, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be, like, super, super good. It doesn't have to be, like, a classic. Just not torture. Yeah. I was kind of... Was kinda, Last Starfighter. <laughs> Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of leaning along. I was kind of leaning towards maybe, maybe like Creep Show or something like that. Um, but I'll you know, take that take a look. yeah. So what I want, I want listeners to give us some feedback and give us some ideas of what you would like to hear us uh, do a commentary on. And what we'll do is whoever I can get to do the show. It, it'll be me and John and and possibly Rick and and maybe Scott. And uh, we'll all watch the movie at the same time, and we'll just talk about it as we're watching it and it also has to be something that we've probably seen before because we don't want to get into the into this thing where we're just sitting there watching the movie and not talking <laughs> because that's going to make a very boring <laughs> podcast for uh for whoever's listening to it but that's not gonna i'm gonna talk a, regardless <laughs> yeah it'll make a commentary track that the listeners will be able to watch that movie and listen to us at the same time if they want to uh so so listeners keep that in mind send us an email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or uh, write us on Facebook or Twitter and let us know what movie you'd like us to watch. But uh, be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say, <laughs> Oh, hey, guys, what do Peter Dinklage and Bob Barker have in common? They drink and they know things. <laughs> <laughs> A Lannister always spays his pets. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs>